Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Amen. What a good day. What a good day already. All right, I'm setting my timer for 30 minutes. You know that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But A for effort, right? Amen. If you got your Bibles today, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs primarily, uh, chapter 29. We will jump back to Genesis chapter 15, and we'll hit a verse in Exodus too, so we'll be a little bit all over the Old Testament. So uh, have you enjoyed being in the, in the place today? Amen. Amen. God's presence is strong in the place. I'm getting a little, little bit of fuzz, guys, if you hear it. I don't know if you hear it. I feel like I hear it. Maybe it's in my head. It's entirely possible. Amen. Amen. All right. So grateful to be here. Thank you for coming out on this uh, cold, rainy day. And uh, I was driving in this morning, and it was spitting some stuff, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Don't give anybody a reason not to be in church. But you came in, and man, God showed up too, didn't he? He has been here. We're so grateful for all that he's done. Uh, Let's read Proverbs 29, verse 18. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. And we're going to kick the year off talking about vision. Verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. If you know the King James Version, it says the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. This says the people are unrestrained, but happy is one who keeps the law. I'm sure you're wondering how we're going to get a whole sermon out of this one verse, but God's given me something, and I think it's on time. I think it's for the house. And you know me, I'm a very linear guy. I'm A to B, B to C. So we're going to start out, we're going to build a foundation today, we're going to try to build upon it over the next two to three weeks, maybe four weeks, depending on how the Lord works it out, okay? Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is one who keeps the law. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you are already doing. God, for these two precious souls that have rededicated themselves to you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've made an eternal difference already today. Now, Lord, we ask for this word to come forth and to do the same. Make an eternal difference in every home represented in this place, as well as in this church house, among this church family. Father, give us hearing ears. Give us hearts of flesh that we may receive the good seed of the word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God sees what we cannot see. God sits and occupies a vantage point that you and I do not occupy. We may have knowledge, we may have experience, but we will never have enough to to equal what God has. We will never be able to see in the entirety that God can see. I'll never be able to see from his position the way that he can. But I do have assurance through the word that he likes to reveal what he sees to his people. He likes to show his people exactly what he sees when he looks at them. Did you know that God sees something in you when he looks at you? Did you know that when he sees your kids, he sees something that you don't see? When he sees your grandkids, no matter how much of a knucklehead they are, 
no matter how ridiculous your spouse might be. Amen? Nobody look around, they'll, they'll think you're talking about them or thinking about them. No matter who it is, when God sees people, he does not see what people see. Amen? When he sees a collective of people, he does not see what the people see. God sees things differently than you and I do. And there's hope in that. There's promise in that because I need to be connected to somebody who can see things that I can't. Because sometimes everything that I see is not good. Sometimes what I see in the mirror is not good. What I see on Facebook is not good. What I see in myself, what I see in my family is not always good. So I need to connect to a higher vision. I need to connect to a higher perspective. And God is the one through Jesus Christ who ultimately has that perspective. And thank God that he is not greedy with that perspective. Thank God that he is willing to share what he sees with us. Also thank God that he does not share all that he sees with us. Amen? How many of us would still be here if God had told us in the beginning what all it would take to get through? I'm not raising my hand either. First word I ever got, I was 10 years old over in the old sanctuary. 10 years old, and God spoke a word over me, and it, was, it became a guiding word in my life. And he spoke it through somebody that I loved and trusted, and it became a landmark for me. But you know what was not included in that word? All the people who'd walk out. All the hurt I'd endure. The issues, health, wealth, or lack thereof. Or, you know what I'm saying? All the hardship, all the things. Thank God that he sees it all, but he doesn't always reveal it all. Amen? Amen? But he occupies this unique place in the heavens where he can see from a perspective that you and I don't have, and he can share with us the bits and the pieces that we need. He never, ever just dumps it all on us, thank God, because he's a good father. But in fact, he reveals. He reveals. In fact, God is kind of keen to share. It's not just that he knows and he'll share if you ask, but he actually wants you to know what's going on. He wants you to know what he sees. He wants you to know what's ahead. He wants to give you an outlook, maybe, that is a little different than your natural outlook. And that's really what it's about, because when people are people, then we see things the way that people see things. I know it sounds like a redundant statement, but have you ever been extra people-y? Extra fleshy? You ever had days like that? Where you're like, man, what is wrong with me today? I'm just, I'm, I'm a mess today, amen? We all have those days. And even when we're being extra people God has a vision and an insight that he wants to share with people like you and I. In Genesis 15, 1, we see the first mention in English of the word vision in the entire Bible. First time that it is translated as vision, and the first time that a Hebrew word, this particular Hebrew word is used for vision in Genesis 15, 1. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So here we see a vision takes place, it's from the Lord, and there's word connected to it, okay? When there's a God-given vision, it's from him, and it comes to us, and there's word, there's instruction, all right? Now he says unto Abram in the vision, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward, is what it says in the King James. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God's sight for us is first and foremost founded upon who he is to us. Listen, we can speak of vision in the super spiritual, ethereal, Pentecostal, charismatic, what's the vision, blah, 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 but let's get down to the basics of it. What is the vision? The vision is based first and foremost on what or on who God is to you and I. 
If I don't know him, then I can't accept his vision for me. If I don't know his person and his character, then I can't trust him with my life or my kids or my grandkids. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 2 about a priest named Eli. He was the high priest. And he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And these guys were bad dudes. They were priests because their family was kind of the family business. They had been ordained from the time of Moses that their family, their line would be priests unto God. But it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, there's a verse that says, but Hophni and Phinehas did not know the Lord. They did not know him. Therefore, what he wanted for their life, they could not live in. They did not know him. And I, I don't think this just means that they didn't know that God loved them or what. I think this means they did not know him personally. They did not connect with him as sons. And because of that, they did horrible things and brought judgment upon the house of Eli. And before a, a few years passed, Eli and both his sons are dead as judgment and punishment from God. Now, I'm not saying that anybody in here is, is next in line behind Eli and his sons. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is God sees things that we don't see. And if we take the opportunity to know him because vision is based on who he is to us. He says to Abram, fear not. Why? Because I am. I am your shield and I am your exceeding great reward. Fear not, Abram, because I am. Before you ever take a step toward your promise, I will be your defender and I will be your provider. Before you ever bounce a baby boy on your lap, I will be your defender and I will be your provider. If I do not know who he is, I cannot live in the vision that he has for me or my family. I, I have to know who he wants to be to Matt before I can be who he wants to be to Pastor Matt. Amen? Does that make sense? It has to get into your house before it gets into this house. That he has a vision for you. And it's all about who he is. And if you don't know him, you will never see what God sees. And yes, you've said the prayer, and that's awesome. And yes, maybe you've walked with the Lord a long time. But do you know him enough to walk in the vision that he has for you? Because when he sees you, he sees something. When he sees you, he sees something. When he sees us, he sees something. Vision isn't just about finding out about who we are or what we are meant to do in God. Vision is just as much about our vision of Jesus. What do we know about Jesus? I know he's a savior, but I know he's a healer. I know he's a provider. I know he's good. Lots of people don't know that he's good, but I know that he's good. Amen? Amen. If I know that he's good, then I can walk through times where he's not good and still know that he's good. Amen? Amen? I know him in his person because vision is just, just as much about who he is to us as it is about what we will do for him. Now let's go back to Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision in this, this verse is a Hebrew word. It's used 35 times in the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, there are words that we use in Scripture uh, in church that we kind of spiritualize that aren't all that spiritual in their original context, right? Uh, we're Pentecostals. We like, we like to talk about being hungry, amen? Being hungry, being thirsty for the Lord, you know? Most of the time when those words for hunger or thirst are used in the Bible, most of the time they just literally mean hunger or thirst, and we take those things and we make them spiritual. 
Nothing wrong with that. But this word is not just a word for the ability to see. Where there is no vision, he's not talking about where there's blind people, they're not as secure or they're in a dangerous position so they could die. That's not what he's saying. If you read that literally, that's all you could get from it. This word vision, actually, it has a spiritual root to it. It's all about, in the, in the vernacular of the people that would read this, it, was a, it had a spiritual connotation to it. It says, uh, the definition for vision is a sight, a, a mental sight, a mental sight, a dream, a revelation, or an oracle, a mental sight. So it's not the faculty of your eyes to function and see. It is not that. It is not talking about what you will physically lay your eyes upon. It's talking about something divine, something that is sourced from somewhere else that gets into us, mental in, within us, and within ourselves, we can begin to piece together and get a picture of what is happening. Not the ability to see, but what God is doing, what he is telling us from his vantage point. In the, in the lexicon of this, of this Hebrew language, it means divine vision from God specifically toward future events. Now, I don't know if you know what a lexicon is, but it's a fancy word that means like a regional vocabulary, okay? Uh, I use this example in the 9 a.m. Uh, how many of you folks like Mexican food? I, know, I see most of you at the Mexican place every Sunday after church. <laughs> One of four Mexican places, five, six that we have. How many do we have now? Seis, we've got cinco, seis, all right. We have a lot. Um, we use a word, I guarantee everybody in this room uses the word quesadilla at least once a month, right? You use that, right? That's not an English word, did you know that? That word didn't come from any of the European countries that most of us are from, or wherever it is that we're from. That's a word from a different place, but that word has become part of our vocabulary, part of our lexicon, does that make sense? So it has an impact. So, you know, depending on whatever a word's meaning is from the, the, the greater vocabulary of our culture, it can mean something different. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, everybody with me? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to give you a boring lesson. All right. Within the lexicon of this word, it means divine vision from God, respective of future events, but generally it means divine revelation. So now we have a clearer picture of what's talking, what's being talked about in this first part of this verse, where there is no vision, where there is no divine revelation. I think it's huge that we understand that God has divine revelation for each of us. I think you can readily accept that God might have divine revelation for me or for the pastors. But did you know he's got it for you? God can show you something about himself through his word and through his power that he's not shown me yet. He can do that and he wants to do that. Where there is no vision, where there is no divine revelation, God wants us to know and understand his sight that he has for us. God has a vision for you and your family and he wants you to know it. He has a vision for us as a church family and he wants us to know it. And I love it because like I said, God reveals vision in pieces. And he's done a lot. I've been in this church for 32 years now. I'm 38 years old. I've been here since I was six years old. And over the last 32 years, God has revealed a great many facets and angles of, of, of the vision that he has for this place. God has told us a great many things that, have, that he sees when he looks at Church of the Living God. And we're going to talk about that this month. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to bring you anything new that God's not already said. He's not told me anything new to tell you. 
Remember last year when we went into January and we talked about the gospel presentation and we talked about bringing the gospel every Sunday. Did you know in 2023 we had nearly 50 people saved in the four walls of this house? 50 people. 50 people who were going to hell and now they're not. And that had never, I don't know that that's ever happened like that. And on top of that, we had another probably 30 people saved in funerals within the house. Funerals. And people are getting saved. And then we had VBS. And 30 more kids got saved at VBS. Maybe God's vision for salvation was true for this place. Maybe when God said last year he wanted to save some folks, he really wanted to save some folks. So he did. And all we had to do was say, yes, Lord, we agree. We'll make space. We'll do it. And look what he's done. What a good God. What a good God. God reveals that vision in pieces, that divine revelation, because he wants us to know and understand what he sees when he looks at us. As individuals, as families, as a people, a congregation. The question is not whether or not God has spoken or revealed a vision. The question is, will we agree with it and choose to see it? Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Where there is no divine revelation, where there's no partnership with the divine revelation, the people are in trouble. God is very strategic. And and in the whole process with Abraham or whoever it was, he never once just unloaded every single thing that would happen, but he he gave them the breadcrumbs and he led them along the way. And he's done the same for you and I, hasn't he? He's done the same for us. How many of us can look back over our time with the Lord and say, God led me to this point. And when I got there, he gave me something else to go on. And when I got to the next point, he gave me something else to go on. When I didn't know where else to go, he showed me where else to go because God's good like that. And he still operates that way. He's not stopped talking. He's not stopped reaching. He's not stopped upholding his word. The Bible says he will honor his word above his own name. Whether it's written or spoken, if it's from God, he will uphold it. The vision is divine and sourced from God, but it's for us. It is for you. I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care how new you are in all this. I don't care how old you are in this or experienced you are in all this. I get in trouble whenever I say the word old. (laughs) How seasoned you are in this. Thank you. Better word. It is for God, divinely for God or from God for us. The rest of the verse where there is no vision, the people, the congregation are unrestrained. This is interesting. In the King James, it says perish. My mom and I were talking about this between the services. If you just read parish, I don't know about you, but obviously that means death. And so you read that and you're like, oh man, where there's no vision, people die. But it doesn't really paint much of a picture there. With unrestrained, I like that because it paints a picture. And it causes you to get into the definition of it. I read the word perish, and I'm like, oh, they die. I don't really look at that. But then if I study on unrestrained, I find out it's actually much deeper than just dying. I want to show you something about the definition. It's, it's a little chaotic. It says, uh, by implication, it says to loosen, by implication to expose, dismiss, to absolve, to begin, to avenge, to avoid, to bear, to go back. It even means in some cases to make naked. Don't ask me where that's at. To set it not, to perish, to refuse, to uncover. It's kind of all over the place, isn't it? 
It's a little bit chaotic, isn't it? That's the point. That's the point of the definition. And actually, again, back to the lexicon, what it means is to act as leader, to let go or to let the reins loose to anyone. Now, I just said a whole lot there. Let's reread that. Where there is no vision, the people, the people are in chaos. Where there is no divine revelation, the people act as leader. Where there is no divine revelation, the people act as leader. Who's supposed to be the leader? God is. Jesus is. This is his ship. We're on it. Where there is no divine revelation, the people let go. Let go. Well, that's just too hard. It's, it's too rough. It's too hard. I can't. Unrestrained. They let go. Where there is no divine revelation, the people let the reins loose to anyone. We hand the reins over. You know what reins are. Guide a horse, right? Without understanding of God's sight for us, we become unrestrained. We try to lead. We abdicate our direction to anyone or anything that comes along. If I don't have God's divine revelation, then I will see something shiny and sparkly and say, that looks good, that must be God. But it's not always God, and I would even say the shinier it is, the less likely it's God. Amen? You with me so far? All right, all right. Without understanding God's sight for us, we become unrestrained. We try to lead. We abdicate our direction to anyone or anything that comes along. See, God's divine revelation gives us direction and focus. If a lack of revelation causes us to be chaotic and unrestrained, then the presence of revelation, divine revelation, must bring focus and direction. Does that make sense? It must bring focus and direction. Therefore, if I want a focused journey, if I want to go where God says to go, I need vision. Not just any vision. I don't need the faculties to see. I need his sight. I need to see what he sees when he looks at me. That's what I need to see. And the good news is that God, I've already said it, God is not hoarding that and greedily keeping that revelation to himself. He's waiting for somebody to ask for it so that they can have it. There's a graphic depiction in Scripture in the Old Testament of what unrestrained truly looks like. In Exodus 32, verse 25, it says, now when Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to the point of being an object of ridicule among their enemies. The exact word used in Proverbs 29, 18 for unrestrained is used in this verse, and it's used eight times in this verse. Eight times. Now, there are plenty of times if you study your Bible where we might have a phrase in English that's five or six words, and in Hebrew, it might be one word. That happens all the time because our language is so different than theirs. But in this case, when you see the words were out of control and get out of control, four words each, right? When you see those, you see the Hebrew word for unrestrained four times each. And can I just tell you, general rule of Bible study, if the Bible repeats it, it's emphasizing it. So here we have this same Hebrew word over and over again. When, when Moses saw the people were unrestrained, 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 unrestrained. Because Aaron let them get unrestrained, 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 unrestrained. The chaos. Remember the picture of the video, the movie, the, the Ten Commandments, the old Charlton Heston thing, right? Remember how they were acting, how foolish and silly it looked? How foolish those actors must have felt? 
all that they were doing, we, the chaos of that scene that we see in our mind's eye when we think about it, right? That's what uncontrolled and unrestrained looks like. That's what happens when there's no vision. Moses was on the mountain getting the vision from God, and the people had none. And so they went nuts. They went nuts. They went haywire. In the end, people died from that decision. People died in that moment from the chaos and the unrestraint because they did not have the vision yet. And if we think that we are no different, we are fooling ourselves. That just because we have Jesus doesn't mean we can get off track, get off kilter, and end up in a place that God never called us to, doing things he never told us to do, among people we were never meant to be among. We see it all the time. We see it all the time. And it's because of a lack of vision. People are unrestrained. A lack of vision, but God has a vision for you. When he sees you, he sees something you don't see. When he sees this house, he sees something we don't yet see. Some of it we do see. Some of it we have seen because he's revealed it. But God has a sight for us that we have not yet seen. Almost done. I got five and a half on my timer, okay? Back to Proverbs 29, 18. Is this okay? All right. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Where there's no divine revelation, the people are chaotic and they fall apart. They act as leader. They let go. They let someone else drive the the cart. But happy, that word means blessed, is one who keeps the law. Happy. Happy. Blessed is one who keeps the law. Here we have a description of what we should do once we get the vision. We have to keep the vision. We have to keep it. Therefore, the implication is that we can lose it. If we are being instructed to keep it, that means there's a possibility that we can lose it. Otherwise, why would he say that? Blessed is one who keeps the law. That word keep means to hedge about as with thorns, to guard, to protect, and to attend to, to keep. It's it's about protecting, but it's not about setting it and forgetting it. You with me? It's not about building something around it and being like, ah, it's fine. It'll be fine no matter what. That's not what he's saying. It's something that we attend to. It's something that we maintain. When God gives you a vision for your marriage, you've got to attend to it. You've got to protect it. When something tries to sneak in, you cut it off. Amen? When something's trying to get into your kids, God's given you a vision for them. He's told you that they're going to be this or that, that they've been saved, they've been called, whatever it is that God said to you about your family. Then whenever something tries to get in, you cut that thing out. You don't just trust that, okay, God's got them, they're in your hands. Yes, God's got them, they are in his hands, ultimately, yes. But that does not give us the right to be passive and apathetic and sit back and let the enemy do what he wants to do. I have authority, I have the right to stand up for my wife. I have the right to stand up for my children. I have the authority, they're my flesh. She's my flesh. I can speak over her like I'm speaking over me. How dare the enemy touch her? He can't touch me. Why does he think he can touch her? 
There's a hedge about us. We've got a vision and a direction, a focus that God has called us to. And I'm not going to let anybody or anything sneak in or charge in or climb in or drop in and take it. Because it's mine and it is divine in its origin. And if it's from Him, nobody can have it. Church, if it's from Him, what He has said about us, nobody can have it. No demon, no principality, no power. Nothing can have it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can tear it down. It's not theirs to begin with. Tangent. To hedge about, to guard, to protect, because if I don't, I might lose it. Or there might be a thief out there who's trying to take it. And as I recall, the same Bible tells us that there is a thief who steals and kills and destroys. And I can't just sit back and trust God's will, air quotes. I got to stand up every now and then and draw a line. And in the authority of the kingdom of God, say, no, this is what God said. This is where we're going. And we have to do it for this house, too, as much as we have to do it for our house. Happy, blessed is the one who keeps the law. I like that the vision becomes law. I know we read the word law, and we, we're Americans, man. We're rebels by birth, right? Ah, I don't like the law. Speed limit's a suggestion, not a limit, right? It's a speed suggestion. But the vision from God, if we keep it, becomes law to us. What does that mean? That means it becomes non-negotiable. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. Amen? We are not church of the living God and we do a gospel presentation. We are church of the living God because we serve a God who wants to save people. Amen? And at church of the living God, God is saving people because that's who we are now. That's who we are. That's who he always wanted us to be. But now it's who we are. Amen? Because we kept it. Because we held on to it. Because we, we didn't let the enemy take it from us. Whatever it is, if you keep that vision that is from God, it will become law to you. Now that does imply some accountability. You gotta obey the law. Amen? God's vision becomes law to us. But it becomes non-negotiable. But, but somebody said, non-negotiable. But somebody didn't agree, non-negotiable. Doesn't mean we have to be mean or rude. I'm not saying that, all right? You know, be a Christian to people. But just because they have an opinion on it doesn't mean it's God. Especially if you know God told you. I love everybody in this room that I know. If I don't know you yet, I don't love you yet. No offense. <laughs> Got to know you first. I'm, I'm old-fashioned like that. I don't just throw that around. Love everybody in here. But if I know God's told us to do something, sorry. If it's you or him, it's him. And I don't mean that because I, I don't want anybody to be like, well, blah, he doesn't love me and I don't, you know, I don't mean that at all. I, everybody in here is valuable to God, you're valuable to us. However, there's a difference in what you think and what God says. There's a difference between what I think and what God says. And I'll just be honest with you, there are times where I thought it was God and it wasn't. Anybody learn that lesson? 
That's not a fun mountain to walk around. Amen, but that's a lesson that we learn sometimes. We need to learn it. God has a vision for each and every one of us. He has a vision for our families. He has a vision for our house. He has a vision for this house. He wants to see X, Y, and Z happen for us, whatever it is. We're gonna talk about over the next few weeks. If you're new here, you don't know all this, bless you for coming, thank you. Uh, but you'll find out if you come back. You'll find out what exactly God has said over the last 32 years that I can recollect that we can talk about and figure out. We're gonna talk about what God has said. And we're gonna choose to keep it. We're gonna choose to guard. And we have, haven't we? Haven't we? We've, we've endured, haven't we? Amen? But we are going to experience it. We are going to see this side of the kingdom, a measure of what God has promised for 30 plus years in this house. And we're going to see it here. We're going to see it at home. We're going to because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not spoken? Shall he not make it good? Numbers 23, 19. That's who he is. I know that's who he is. Therefore, when the enemy comes, the accuser comes and says, but God did it. I can say, but God is. I know God did not, but God might yet. And I certainly know you haven't done a thing for me. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy, blessed is the one who keeps the law. We must guard it. Because without it, we could lose our guiding law. I don't want to lose what God said. I don't know about you. I don't hear from God all the time. I'm not one of those believers that talks to God six times before breakfast. I'm sorry, I'm not one of those believers who God talks to six times before breakfast. You know what I'm saying? I talk to the Lord, but I'm saying, I don't have somebody sitting on my shoulder telling me what cereal to eat. And I don't, that's kind of mean, I don't mean it mean. You, give me grace, I'm sorry. I'm just saying, when I know it's the Lord, when I know it's God, come hell or high water, kingdom of darkness, and, and listen, I know it's not a cheap thing to say, because usually when I say these things, the enemy lashes out. If I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, he's not going to. He's bound up, he's restricted, he can't do that in the name of Jesus. But if it's from God, and I know it's God, I gotta keep it. Whether it's for you, your kids, your spouse, or the church, we have to keep it. And if he's spoken it over this house, we cannot have 150 different perceptions of God's vision. We have to have a clarified vision of what he's gonna do, don't we? Because we might hang on to the wrong thing. We might hang on to some interpretation that we have and not what God said. So that's what this, this next few weeks is gonna be about here in the church. I hope, I hope that gets you amped up. I hope it gets you excited because I'm just gonna tell you, I've been, God gave me this direction in like October and I've been thinking on it and dwelling on it and I've been rehearsing some of what God has said over the years and it still moves me. It's still, it's still real, it's still there, there's still power in it, and I am excited to declare it again in the air of this place. I'm excited for new ears to hear it. I'm excited for old tired ears to hear it again and get excited again about it. Because God is not a liar, and he still speaks a word, he still sees a vision, and he still wants us to know it and to understand it. 
every single person in this room, God has something for you that he wants to reveal. Stand with me this afternoon. I'm out of breath. Does that make sense to everybody? I'm big on comprehension. I want to know it makes sense. If it does not, come to me and ask me, please, and I will clarify. I'm not above that. Sometimes, you know, you hear it in your head and it sounds cool and then it comes out your mouth a little different. Happens to us too. And usually when there's a microphone attached, so it happens. Just want to, before we go, I just want to take an opportunity to collectively to give everyone a chance to say, God, number one, God, I, I received the truth today that you're looking at me. That's a big deal. If you don't think God's looking at you, you're going to feel all alone. You're going to feel entirely on your own. But God's looking at you. First truth. Second truth. He wants you to know what he sees. He wants you to know what he sees. And it doesn't matter if you are brand spanking new or if you've been doing this a hundred years. He still wants you to know what he sees when he looks at you. He wants you to know what he sees when he looks at, at your kids. He wants you to have a vision and a direction because maybe the world's systems won't work with his plan. Amen? Maybe the career path won't work with his plan. Or maybe the career path is his plan. We don't know unless we ask. So let's receive those truths today. Let's ask the Lord over the next few weeks as a church to make his vision very plain. And I believe he's going to do that. But also as individuals, as families, that he will make his vision for us plain. Can we lift our hands one more time? Just in surrender. Jesus, Jesus, we thank you because you are good, because you are powerful, you are healing, you are life. And Lord, we know that you, from your vantage point in heaven, have a sight that we don't see. You see things that we don't. You know things that we don't. But God, you want us to know what you know. You want us to know what you see. And God, I receive that truth right now that you are looking at me. That no matter what hardship is raging in our life, you still see me. That no matter what darkness has reared up against me, you still see me. You still see me. And you see something in me and for me that I do not see. And God, I receive. Oh, Lord, I receive all that you have for me. All that you have for my wife and my kids. God, all that you have for my church. God, I receive it all in Jesus' mighty name. God, if it's from you, I want it. If it's from you, I'll keep it. If it's from you, Lord, it's all that I need. It's all that I need in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this afternoon. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.